Hello and welcome to Coffee Meets with Algamy Consulting, with me, your host, Chris New. Today's podcast is the fourth in a series of podcasts titled New World Under Construction, aimed at providing some insight from key players of the wealth and asset management industry on what it means to run and operate an investment management business as the industry looks to refocus and adapt to a post-COVID world. The theme of this podcast is revisiting the governance model in the wealth and asset management industry. How has the crisis been experienced in the boardroom and what are the lessons learned? Besides prominent issues such as digital, Black Lives Matters, ESG, diversity and economic recession, these present opportunities and risks for the governance model of the industry. What changes do you see taking place in the next six to 12 months or even beyond? I'm excited to be joined uh, by two uh, guests who are passionate about governance from different angles and developing governance in the way industry. So I'd like to welcome Margaret Cullen, founder and principal of Think Governance Limited. She's a lecturer, a researcher, a consultant, and also, uh, very importantly, an independent non-exec on funds. So welcome, Margaret. Thank you, Chris. Great to be here. And also with me, I'm very excited to have our first returning guest, Colin Bennett, who's head of digital distribution at GAM, amongst some other interests, including an author, a speaker, entrepreneur, and many other things. So Colin, welcome back. Hello. Hi there point out Colin you're, you're acting here in independent capacity I just want to make sure you're sitting comfortably your coffees or your teas or whatever it is to keep you warm on this cold morning nice and warm just before we kick off perhaps we have a couple of minutes of introduction and we'll start with you Margaret what is it you're passionate about governance or what you're looking forward to happening in the future in the industry. Thank you, Chris. Great to be here. I, I guess what gets me up in the morning is the subject of governance uh, across quite a broad spectrum. It's a topic that often be misunderstood. And for example, corporate governance solutions being imposed in an investment fund governance world, not all contexts are the same. Mm. So my passion really is understanding context, whether it's within the financial services world or Outside the financial services world, there are very there are core principles of governance, and those core principles can be applied, but they've got to be applied in the very specific context and the unique characteristics of particular areas of business. So very happy to explore that. Maybe you tell us a little bit about governance or your, your career and how you got into this. I started working in the funds industry many moons ago, and I was working on the service provision side, on the trust and fiduciary side with a large American organization. And I had the, the opportunity to sit in the fund boardrooms of our clients, and I just developed a huge interest in in this area. In parallel to that, I had started lecturing in corporate finance and part of the corporate finance module was corporate governance. And it was very fledgling at the time. It was very new, but it was was very, very early days. And I just thought, this is really, really interesting. And how can I bring some of these principles in the fund boardroom? And that culminated in me actually jumping ship, leaving industry in 2006 to do a PhD in that area. My PhD explored the role and effectiveness of investment fund boards. The critical context was that the notion of the product versus the product producer, Chris. So that's the investment manager as the product producer and the fund as the product. And then in April this year, I made the decision to set up Think Governance and it's about providing training and consulting support to organisations who want to raise their game. And I have a number of directorships in the FSB. Colin, I know we've had you on before, so maybe have a very brief reminder of what your role is in terms of digital distribution, but I also maybe worth giving an intro into your governance angle. Colin Bennett, I head up digital distribution GAM Investments. We're a global asset manager. I've been at the bank for now 22 years. So helped the founder Gilbert de Botton, supported him from a client experience perspective to begin with. So it was all about the focus with the client and delivering technology and cutting edge technology to really give that magic experience and make the fund management industry come alive essentially to experience for private clients, high net worth individuals. And equally my roles, 
change from running IT infrastructure, IT development and investment operations, introducing and working with the team with ISO 9001 for an investment management process. Kind of a, my background is engineering, so total quality management. It was perfect. Yeah. Applying ISO 9001 to an investment management process and everything around that in a situation where potentially it was a little bit you know, nascent, new, hedge funds, fund of funds. They're all things that kind of needed that quality assurance in order to bring a quality product to, to the market. I trained as an ISO 9001 auditor, so that gave me a background into sort of substantiating some of the points behind some of the governance mechanisms. And it really awoke me to the governance side. I then moved into a digital distribution capacity and looking after the technology and to actually support board governance from an electronic point of view. How do they share information? The, the last point is when I moved actually to head up digital across the company bringing everything together I wanted to know what to do next because you know I identified that in the industry and everywhere actually there was a, a gap in digital leadership for the 21st century managing change managing things in a VUCA environment needed a really different approach you had the emergence of agile techniques etc but how did that really affect governance and I did a, an executive diploma with Warwick Business School and I finished off with a dissertation around, you know, board governance. Are boards equipped and um, ready for the 21st century, the fourth industrial revolution? You know, and I found some shocking statistics, to be honest, and it kind of really woke me to that fact that actually we've got some really big changes to make at, at the board level and from a governance perspective. The fundamentals don't change, but how we actually address them. And there's concepts of adaptive governance coming up and those type of things. And lastly, if you have AI coming in and decisions and governance are actually taking away from individuals potentially and things are moving fast and increasingly more complex, how does that fit into a governance structure? It sets the scene for what we're going to look at. Now, before we jump into those, we have a fun question. So I've recently moved house and I'm looking for some innovative tips on how I can make that process a lot easier or how to avoid the nightmare of boxes, admin, stress. Any tips you have on that will be welcome. And if you can get to that at the end of the call, that'll be great and will make my life a lot easier. Margaret, you talked about your particular focus on the the product and the producer. Now, I think for a lot of us, we'll probably have a good idea of what we think governance in the asset management industry means, but that may not necessarily be the same thing. Is that from the corporate level, the producer, as you say, and the asset manager? Could you perhaps set the scene of what the difference between those two types of governance are? And then perhaps, Colin, we can bring you in and talk about how we're going to implement all these things that you've discussed. Absolutely. When I talk about corporate governance, I'm talking about the asset manager and governance at the level of the asset management organisation. And corporate governance in that world is the same as for any organisation. No one personally having unfettered control, separation of the role of CEO and chairman of the board, independent boards, robust three lines of defence, use of subcommittees, making sure that your strategic trajectory, your risk appetite, your culture are all aligned. So that's an overarching sense. And corporate governance to me, it's an old definition coined by Sir Cadbury in the, in the initial Cadbury report, but it's still my favourite, Chris. Corporate mm -hmm. governance, how organisations are directed and controlled. Where is the company going to? How is it going to get there? And then controlled is really the internal control environment, compliance with regulatory obligations that are just part of your life. So we can have the most highly regulatory compliant and controlled organisation. But if we're not strategically astute and we don't move on and we don't progress and we don't respond to the environment that we're operating in, in terms of like our investor needs and so on, strategically, we will fall behind. But within asset management, 
what is a key thing of what they do? Well, they provide superb conduit vehicles between their expertise and underlying investors who don't have that expertise. And that is the investment fund. And that's what I call the product. So I need that conduit. I need to invest in an investment fund that will give me access to the market. And this is really important. Depending on my risk appetite as an investor, I will in- invest in this product. And very often, Chris, the confusion is made because regulators often, indeed, in industry tend to think that the governance of the product has to be the same as the corporate governance, the governance of the asset manager. And they tend to impose those kind of structures at the level of the fund, which in my view is highly inappropriate. And within that product governance, I'm going to park that for a second, as part of the asset management um, corporate governance, they need to think about product governance within that governance framework. The same way as any manufacturer would be needing to think about the quality of their product, how they distribute their product, the, the transparency of their product, does it do what it says in the tin? In the same way, asset management managers as part of their corporate governance have to be focused on product governance, who are our underlying investors, what's the market, what, what's the need, focusing on product design, focusing on getting it out to market, focusing on ensuring that the product does what it says in the tin. So then when you take that product and you put it out and, and it's created and then it has its own board of directors, that is then investment fund governance, which again is different in a sense that you have asset manager representatives on that um, fund board that's evolved in the UK. It's been very prominent in, in Ireland for a number of years, for example, definitely in the US, coming yeah. more, more, more to the fore in, in areas like Luxembourg, where you have independent board structures. So what the independent non-exec directors do with their colleagues on the board from the asset manager at fund level is they stand back and say, what is the objective of investment fund governance? I would say that the objective of investment fund governance is investor protection. And what is the risk appetite? What is the investment promise that the investor has bought into? And how do we make sure that this investment fund does what it says in the tin? And how do we ensure that conflicts of interest don't obscure that? And then the terms of new world under construction was defining that problem as the asymmetry of information and also the ability to sort of identify that potential risk or, or the mismatch of risk. Oh, I, I, a million percent. I, I think Colin's already said it. The core principles of governance are, are, are always there. The core principles of governance really don't change. As the industry evolves, what we need to do from a governance perspective is identify what are the risks within the company or the service providers that we utilize? What are the risks to the investors? How are we managing them on a day-to-day basis? And from where are we getting assurance? So if I'm sitting on the board of the asset manager, I am as concerned about product governance even though there might be a fund board sitting in Dublin or sitting in Luxembourg, I'm interested in product governance because my reputation depends on the quality of this product, how I get it to market. Though in a lot of ways, the customer, the investor experience, if you're dealing on a platform or you're dealing with a third party global distributor, my reputation depends on that. Okay. Equally from an investor point of view, at the investment fund level, as a, as a fund director, as the industry evolves, how is that risk changing? So, for example, one of the, the most obvious ones that I would see is a much more heightened aware in relation to cyber risk at fund board level than ever was. Because if you think of the legal pecking order in industry, you have your investment fund. And the first port of call for any investor who feels disenfranchised is going to be the board of that fund. The fund then appoints the investment manager. Now, the legal pecking order is unusual because it actually is the investment manager that creates the product. But the legal pecking order suggests that the fund appoints the IM. That, that's just the way the industry has evolved. But ultimately, if an investor is disenfranchised or feels they've been disenfranchised, they will go after the board of the investment fund who is responsible for all aspects of which that have been outsourced. A lot of what I'm hearing is is this design thinking concept of the product design and the ability of the end user, which is the, the fund itself, and the ability to influence any changes in that, be that risk appetite or even the design of the product, because essentially they're being given a product which has already been designed 
for them and their ability to influence that is pretty much um, limited. So I don't, Colin, where do you, is that something you've come across in terms of the product design and the ability of the fund in, in a governance perspective to change that or adapt that product or future right. iterations? I suppose if you step back and look at the sort of mega trends that are happening you know, in the industry and affecting the actual you know, end client. If corporate governance refers to the way that companies are governed and to what purpose, with COVID and other things, purpose is actually being fundamentally questioned right now. You know, hence the explosion of ESG and impact investing. You know, you look at things like the demographics, you know, are changing. We've got this demographic profile that's not going to be in anyone's favour. You're going to have less people paying taxes. You're going to have more people requiring support and care. You're going to have to fund that. So the industry has a big obligation to really try and find ways of doing that. And they're working in a way that's kind of not being helped at the moment with everything going on with COVID because they're exhausting the current economic norms they're in extraordinary times mm. and then if you look at the technology side the classic technology is quite linear really with with the funds um, you're working with markets data and all that sort of thing you've got the intelligence of the fund manager and the teams and the research and getting all these things together to to really make that product right for a client type but that client type is becoming almost like, in marketing terms, the segment of one. Each client is individual. You need to almost deliver at an atomic level a personalized product. So how do you do that with your current infrastructure and your current organization, your, your current um, governance structures and support that? Equally, the environment's changing all the time, obviously. So there's new levels of consideration that again comes up with its own governance challenges standards around esg what are they what are we actually measuring against is everyone measuring the right thing and then society values and behaviors and ethics cultures massive around this within an organization and i think organizations are changing and um, the, the way they are they're a lot more inclusive they're a lot more diverse they're a lot more authentic they're a lot more transparent and they have to be to survive quite frankly and if they don't, something will happen. And, and I don't think it will be in the positive direction. And when you get all these things churning up, how you actually adapt to that is very important. And just coming back to the technology piece, this is a core thing that is changing so fast and at pace. I know from delivering technological change, the governance around that has to happen very quickly and you have to have it inbuilt. It's almost like it is part of the process. And I think something that the industry needs to address is how do boards adapt to that pace and that engagement that's required in order to have the controls and the understanding. It's a real challenge. And AI is not going to help that because AI is going to start bringing a level of automation and intelligence that is actually beyond the control of individuals. How do you get back to that point that you can control unless you think about it right now and do it right? Margaret, if, what your thoughts are on, on what Collins just said, because you talked about the fact that there's an asymmetry of information. Where do you see the governance model moving in? Where do you see that going based on that type of 
moving yeah. parts, be it changing culture, changing products and the ability to embed technology. Again, I see the innovation at the asset manager. How are those boards going to change? If we go back ever so slightly to Colin's reflection on the purpose of companies, I think he's really hit the hotspot there. Because first of all, organizations defining in the asset management sector, what their purpose is, what they're trying to achieve. And equally remembering that asset managers are engaging on the other side with companies who are looking for access to capital. And in this whole new world of what I would probably call stakeholder capitalism, we've talked about ESG, but this is really around a wider stakeholder perspective. The extent to which asset managers are engaging in the long term with companies and giving them time to bed down some of the more E and S aspects um, of that strategy. So I think that asset managers at, at corporate government level have to focus on that and work with companies for that long term goal of getting us where the EU action plan really wants us to be in terms of sustainability, our societal footprint and all that kind of thing. That has to find its way into that purpose discussion, Colin. So I'm really glad you, glad you brought that up. On the technology front, on the fund governance side, an investment fund, but the product by its nature is the conduit between the risk taker, the investor, and the product producer. That is the contract. And that fund with its board of directors is always going to outsource. It's going to outsource to the investment manager and it's going to outsource to the service providers that the investment manager, the asset manager has chosen to provide services, administration, transfer agency, and so on. As a fund board in this new changing environment, what we need to know is as technology advances, what is the risk to the investor? Because at the moment we would concentrate, and quite rightly, we've concentrated on things like the integrity of the valuation. We have focused on things like adherence to investment restrictions and so on. So what is it about what's happening within the um, asset management's infrastructure and the service provider's infrastructure in the relation to automation that actually increases or decreases? And in some cases, it could decrease the risks to the investor. The easiest thing in governance is to put the structure in place. The hardest thing in governance to, is to execute because it is all about behaviours and power dynamics and interactions and different interests and how can you make good, strong collective decisions. For me, core principles of governance will, will, will be pretty similar, but it's what we're looking at. And the key question for fund directors is, given the risks that we are engaging with an asset manager that we've appointed who created us and given the innovation and the evolution of their business models, digitally or otherwise, how is this changing the risk profile? Is that risk profile reflected in the prospectus for the investor? So the investor is very clear about the risks it's taking on and how those risks are managing on a day-to-day -day basis and from where we are getting assurance. And these are the critical steps, how the risks have been managed and from where we're getting assurance. And I don't think that will ever change. We talk about expertise. One of the, the, the gaps is expertise. And, and I, I would be a self-declared um, te technical dummy. But I think What's interesting is I don't believe that I need to be a technical expert. What I need to do is create accountability in that, in that boardroom, leverage off the collective board strength. And part of that is the responsibility of the product producer, the asset manager, with mm. his outsourced service providers to make sure that the right management information is coming into that board for the board to create that accountability at fund product level. And I think that's an important aspect. And that's what the asset managers need to think about as they move forward, what's going to be important for those fund directors. And I'm sort of bringing you back in, I you're the solutions provider here. <laughs> What's that going to look like? It's a fascinating point Margaret raises there, you know, regarding the understanding the risk profile, are they being managed in assurance? I would say fundamentally there is a gap 
there sometimes. The good boards will understand that just as Margaret says. But for example, like around cybersecurity, roll back the clock a while back, no one really knew what it was. And suddenly you have these committees just for one aspect of risk. It's a big one, but it's a main one and it's a prioritized one. But actually, if you then think, hang on a second, all the way through the technological programs, there's all these other risks as well. So why just focus on cyber? As the business becomes more technological, you would argue that actually you do need those skills within the board to potentially, at pace, interpret those things. And MIT studies have shown that if you have one to three, I think it is, within a board is the optimum with technical or digital savviness. And do you think that... The, the technology will allow a different relationship between investors. Let's so we'll take a retail investor and, and that fund board. That's your first port of call to resolve any issues you have. Mm. But I guess communication or framework would allow you to have a, a, a more direct relationship with that board. Do you think this is something that we'll see in the future? Elegantly put it, uh, it can be outsourcing and the product and all those sort of aspects won't really change. It's just the mechanisms underneath all those that will change. So there's an undercurrent where decentralized finance is, is growing. It's becoming an alternative. And I think as traditional economies get exhausted, they will provide potentially the way out of this. You only have to look at what China's doing with a central bank digital currency, looking at the, the network that's around that, the younger generations that are looking for an alternative, that are actually creating things on chain, that actually replicate the current financial environment. These sort of new technologies that are coming in here, they give it 10, 20 years, will fundamentally shift that relationship because going on to blockchain or distributed ledger, you can start having on-chain governance. And this is a, a huge topic where you know, governance can be within the actual product itself. For example, in China, there's insurance policies where they have the, the English Jura system where you know, they award the insurance payment based on the voting on-chain of all their customers. Should we give it to this person? Bang, a majority rules, they get the payment. Those type of things will start happening across secure and tokenized assets and securities, for example. You'll have these smart contracts that will start building this thing out. And then governance needs to change to manage that smart contract environment, for example. And as you say, the, these cycles are getting quicker. So maybe it isn't 10 or 20 years. It's, it's five. Precisely. I think, Chris, you know, it's, it's an important question. The relationship between the investor and the fund board. I mean, one of the things that came out of my own doctoral research was actually investors when they invest in a product they're thinking of the product producer they're buying into the product producer brand they're not buying into a product because margaret cullen is sitting on the board and i think that we need to always be aware of that but cullen is so on the money because it's, it's keeping a pace the, the biggest challenge you have at corporate governance level is making sure that your governance keeps up with your technological advances if your technology moves ahead and you're looking behind you thinking what, what's just happened so what that means is within the corporate world within the asset manager the capability that Colin speaks of has to exist to understand the risks attached to the digital evolution in every aspect in every sphere I think one of the things that's really absent out there is independent non-exec directors with this experience the reason being is that people who enter the INET space are usually of a particular age and experience and we just don't have that flood of people coming from the sector yet but what we do have is within the sector within the organization and at a fund board level for me as an INED, one of the most important things is who from the asset manager is sitting on that board? 
What is the caliber of that individual? Do they have the capacity to wear two hats, to go from the corporate governance world and shift and wear their investment fund governance hat? Are they going to bring the appropriate risks into the boardroom? Are they going to bring accountability in the boardroom? Are they going to ensure that the fund board is getting the right management information pertaining to the risks and the evolution that, that Colin sp uh, speaks about? And that's really important because often we divorce the product and we think that this product and this board can make unilateral decisions. I think that's really, really dangerous. And I think it doesn't serve the investor. And again, accountability created in that boardroom, absolutely. And I have a, have a critical role to, to oversee any potential conflicts of interest with investor protection at their heart. But you can't divorce that from the input of the investment manager. And I think that's really important and something that's often missed, particularly in a European jurisdiction where the, the, the domicile of the fund and the domicile of the investment manager differ, typically, unlike the US, and they get it in the US. So it's a different uh, environment. Fascinating. I think we're running out of time on this topic, but I think you know, we've covered a huge amount of ground. As usual, that's the three main takeaways for me. I mean, we've looked at, I think Colin, you called it a segmentation of one. So this is this particular the digital focus, we're going to be looking at how can we address some of the changes that are happening in demographics, happening in in the wider society and how can technology um, enable us as an industry or at least compete with people outside our industry who are going to be bringing new products new ways of connecting and and sort of using blockchain etc you also mentioned so i guess looking at this from a stakeholder capitalism point of view it's not just about very dry fund governance it's about looking at the broader uh, remit of society and how we can't just look at our narrow sort of governance model it's got to embrace that for us to survive and then I think Margaret as you've just talked it's about this asymmetry of information and how we bring people with technology tech savvy or an understanding of not just a niche area of cybersecurity, but the whole chain of technology risk that's going to be ever increasing that's been a fascinating insight for me definitely and hopefully for anyone who's listening before we forget there was a fun question at the top of the call which if you've had time to think of that while um, uh, giving us a, a whirlwind tour of governance that's great my move the life hack what have you got for me oh colin you've got experience of answering these questions oh but I you know, get it right first time. That's never always the case. So like any change, it's painful, it's difficult. Good planning, good understanding, um, understand the risks, <laughs> all those classic things. You can yes. apply and get that right when it, when it happens and it's done and you're finished. Absolutely. Chris, my, my advice would be similar, but with an add-on, just outsource. As my mug says, housework, housework can kill you, but why take a chance? <laughs> I think the same applies in life. Outsource, pick your service providers, do your due diligence. And make sure they understand the risks and make sure they're managed well. <laughs> Wonderful. Two very good answers, but I particularly like yours, Margaret. So I will be outsourcing all further work um, on this. So firstly, thank you very much, Margaret, Colin. It's been uh, great to have you on again, Colin. And uh, Margaret, thanks for um, joining us for the first time. I'm sure we will see you again. Delighted, Chris. Enjoyed it and enjoyed talking with you, Colin. Thank you. Yeah, it's fantastic. Thank you very much for the conversation. Enjoyed it. To our listeners, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation and what has been a very uh, positive discussion on the outlook uh, for governance in the wealth and asset management industry. We look forward to grabbing another cup of coffee with Algamy Consulting with you all in our next in our series of podcasts on the theme of New World Under Construction. If you want to discuss this podcast further with us, have any questions or would even like to be part of our series New World Under Construction, please get in touch with us through info at algamyconsulting.com or via LinkedIn, Algamy Consulting. Thank you all and goodbye.